Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My guest today is Nisreen Atassi. Before we get to Nisreen, let me tell you about the website. It's TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there, see articles that I've written, see articles that the guests have written. You can see photos of the guests. You can see links to their social media. And you can see links to our social media, which is, of course... Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. Follow us and give us a like on all those platforms, please. Also on our website, you can find links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to this show. We're also on Spotify and everywhere you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and give us a like. Maybe even say a few nice things. That costs you nothing, and it boosts our presence and helps more people find the show. So that's cool. If you can do that, I would appreciate it. If you got travel questions or you want to say nice things, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you think you'll be right for the show or you know somebody to be right for the show, let me know. Write me. Well, someone who did write me is Nizreen's publicist. Nizreen is a good person to talk to. And still another Chicago area native. Man, oh man. That's quite a string of ex-Chicago people in the travel business I've talked to recently. We were dying to get out of that place, huh? <laughs> Nizreen works over there at Expedia.com. She's a big shot over there at Expedia, and those of us in the travel biz, or pretty much anybody out there, they know what Expedia is. A big search engine and booking site for hotels, flights, cars, vacation packages, whatever you're into, Expedia's got it. So naturally, I had a lot of questions for her. We talk about what's happening in travel now, specifically post-COVID, and how that's changed the travel landscape and booking, what we can expect, the rental car Carmageddon that's going on right now, bad behavior of air passengers. We cover a lot. We also talk about her travel experiences and her background, and I enjoyed our chat. She talked to me from the Expedia office up there in Seattle, and it was a pleasure to meet her. So please enjoy my conversation with Nisreen Atassi. You're the first Nisreen I've ever known. Oh, I love that. That makes me feel really good, actually. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there aren't a lot of people with my name out there, but but still. And can I just say, you're the best Nizreen I've ever met. You know what, Mike? <laughs> you're right. You're totally right. Like, I haven't met them all in the world, but I feel pretty confident. <laughs> what is the origin of Nizreen? So my parents are originally from the Middle East. Well, yeah, I was going to guess that, but... Is you can be more specific, Egypt? Yeah, yep. So my parents are from Syria. They were oh, born and I was raised so close. there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sounds lovely. It I have not been to lovely. Syria. The closest I got was Israel and Jordan. Okay, well, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. close. Not too far. Yeah. And you're in Seattle right now. I am in Seattle. Yeah. Okay. And you originally from there, or a no? I'm actually originally from Northwest Indiana. Um, which is where I grew up. And then I spent um, the bulk of my sort of early adult life in Chicago. Um, oh, then we moved to Dubai, actually. And then I came to Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Like, 
Out of the last four people I've interviewed, because uh, I'm from Chicago, and like, okay. they've all been from Chicago. It's crazy. So Northwest Indiana, I'm going to guess. Let's see. Um, Merrillville? Ooh, oh, so hold on. close. Calumet City. Okay. Now you're just being rude, Mike. But Muncie? No. <laughs> Muncie. Okay. We are going really in the wrong direction no, I know. Here. Okay, okay. Hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, where, where did I play? I used to play Calumet City. There was, uh, oh, God. Because I, I grew up south of the city, okay, uh, near like Chicago Heights and around there. So I used to play yep. like baseball tournaments. Oh, sure. Like so Sherrillville and um, you're getting close. Valparaiso. Valpo. Okay. Yeah, sure. but I, I was born in Maryville. Okay, so you had a really good first guess. Right, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, Valparaiso got abnormal amount of snow. Yes, for the winters because you were in the weird like that snow part lake effect. Yes, lots of lake effect snow, so lots of snow days, which, you know, I loved. Yeah. How long have you been in Seattle? So I'll have officially been in Seattle for four years now. Have adjusted well? I think so. I mean, I will say the people here in Seattle are definitely different than... um, Valparaiso? Well, I like to... (laughs) I I tell people that I'm from Chicago because I think my formative years were really when I was in Chicago. So I feel like my personality and my husband's from a Chicago suburb. So like he's very Chicago. So I feel like as a Chicagoan adapting to Seattle life is quite different. Like people in Seattle are just very, you know, they're a little bit passive, um, (laughs) you know, just they're very fair, you know, those types of things. Whereas I feel like people in Chicago are, uh, they're not passive at all. They're just like very upfront. You know exactly what they're thinking. You know exactly how they're feeling. Like everybody is just like over everything I feel like is over the top personality wise. And here it's all very subdued. So it's just like a bit of a, a bit of an adjustment. Um, but I, I feel like we've, we've assimilated a fair bit. I mean, we're not like the, the major outdoorsy people that I think a lot of, a lot of Seattleites really are, but we're getting there. I mean, I'll, I'll take a casual hike. Here oh, and there. okay. But you haven't, was it your job that brought you out there and you work for Expedia? I do work for Expedia. Yeah. So it was my job. So I was working in the the sort of tourism industry when I was over in Dubai. I was working for Dubai Tourism. Um, and so I knew I wanted to stay in travel because like what better than to like work in a field that you're also passionate about. So I saw this job opening up uh, for Expedia. So I flew out to Seattle for 24 hours for the job interview had never been here before in my life. Um, you know, thought it was good enough, got the job. And so we said, let's do it. It was between Seattle and my husband had gotten a job actually at the same time in Salt Lake City. And it just didn't really feel like Salt Lake City was the right vibe for us. No, I mean, pretty, but yeah, definitely yeah, a different vibe. Different vibe. Yeah. So we came to Seattle and it's been great. Um, what is your title there? You're yep. a, a vice president? Senior director. Listen, Mike, I like the energy that you're putting out there with that title, but <laughs> Senior Director, Head of Communications for Brand Expedia. Okay. And you also have a podcast. I do. I'm the host of our podcast, Out Travel the System, which comes out every Monday and where we unpack just a variety of sort of hot travel questions that people have, you know, trying to give people really helpful tips on certain destinations. So just trying to run the gamut on giving people sort of what I like to call is really like the inside scoop, because we've got like 40,000 travel enthusiasts, obviously, who work under the same 
under the same roof. We're also like talking to airlines and hoteliers on a daily basis. So I feel like we really have that sort of insider knowledge that I wanted to just start to give to travelers to help them just really navigate, you know, with the beauty of travel comes the ugliness of travel. And I didn't want to act like that didn't exist. And so I wanted to just help people get through it, frankly. What are the um, ugly, well, when you say ugliness, I mean, do you mean like delays? Do you mean like airline hotel snafus? Do you mean totally all of the, (laughs) (laughs) listen, all of the above. I think Everybody has like these sort of random horror stories, but that, you know, once you start hearing about them, they're actually not even really that random, like sitting on a tarmac in a plane where the heat has been shut or the air conditioning has been shut off for like four hours and they won't let you off only to like end up going back after you've been sitting there and then your flight's canceled and you can't leave until the next morning or you're delayed and you miss your connecting flight or you get to your hotel and it's like in this corner room or not maybe the corner room, the room right by the elevator, there's like a bunch of people partying, just like all of these things. Like, you know, I remember once I checked into a hotel and it was just like absolutely infested with bugs. And like, yes, we were in Mexico, but I was like, I know for a fact that this, that doesn't mean that there should still be bugs crawling all over this room. (laughs) But so like, there was just all of these things that happen. You know, I, I think a lot of the ugly ends up making for really good memories as well. Um, but it also makes for really bad memories to be fair. So, (laughs) you know, you gotta, you gotta be smart about it. You gotta be, you gotta be witty and you gotta learn what you can control and what you can't control. How about you personally? Give me your worst flight experience. Oh my gosh. My worst flight experience. Um, well, to be honest, I think I had a, I had a situation where I was flying from Chicago to New York and that is a very quick flight, right? So it yeah. is like two hours. Like I used to two do, hours. I used to do that trip, like fly to New York in the morning and fly back at night. Um, but we were going, I was going for a big event for work. Um, there was a big sort of storm, rainstorm and, you know, on the East coast slash Seattle, like it all sort of like trickles down that like Eastern mm-hmm. seaboard, if you will. Um, and I remember my flight was delayed, but I had already boarded the flight. Um, so we sat on the tarmac for about two hours, absolutely like stifling heat. Like, you know, everybody was complaining. They also weren't serving beverages yet because, you know, they were like, well, we're technically moving and, you know, those types of things. So just sort of sitting there. I was in a middle seat, by the way, as well, oh. which is a cardinal rule that I like just never let myself get into that situation. But, you know. <laughs> circumstances wise, I was like stuck in the middle seat. So like two hours later, we finally take off only for them to say, Oh, we need to do an emergency landing. And we landed in like somewhere in Pennsylvania. And I was like, we're so close. Why are we here in Pennsylvania? Like, this is not even like, (laughs) had they shut, were you going to like LaGuardia or something? Yeah. Yeah. And they shut it down. They shut it down. And I was like, okay. And so Like, again, at this point, like now I'm in Pennsylvania and we land. And of course, it's like 11 o'clock at night. So that that's it. They're like, no, we're everybody's going to need to get a hotel room. So, of course, they run out of like hotel rooms like, you know, that are close to the airport. So they send me like 20 (laughs) minutes into God knows where, you know, and then I have to wake up the next morning because I was traveling for work. And so we had an event. So I had to take like that first flight out, which is at like, you know, 6 a.m. or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
you know, at this point, it's been like 15 plus hours. Like I could have gone to Europe and back. You could have driven it. it. I could have driven it. I could have driven it. It was (laughs) like a terrible experience, but you know, not a single shred of that was in my control. There was literally, and I think about this all the time, like, what? I should have had more water. I should have had more snacks, you know, things like that. But, you know, at the time I was thinking, oh, I'm going to take this cruisy flight to New York. I'm going to get in. (laughs) I'm going to have a lovely dinner, you know, all of these things. But no, it was all completely foiled. I show up to my meeting the next day, like completely strung out, like so exhausted. But you know what? I still travel. I survived it. You survived it. Yeah. Do you think, I think in the travel sphere right now, there's two things. There's there's before COVID and after. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, I don't know, I've only taken one flight and that was last month. Well, round trip. I went down to Florida in Puerto Rico and Ooh, uh, congrats. Yeah. Nice. But, um, you know, that we had to wear masks the entire time on the, on the flight and in the airport. Um, certain places are more, <laughs> are more, uh, strict than others. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But did you, do you think there was lots been said about these, you know, rudeness of passengers or like the behavior has gotten worse? Yeah. But did you see that before? COVID or was this just something that now that everybody has a cell phone in their pocket and a camera that we just see more of it or was it always there? I mean, I always saw bad behavior, but does it seem worse to you? I can't tell. I don't. So it seems worse to me based off of what I'm seeing in the news. Um, That's what I mean. We see it though more. Yeah. But also like, I don't want to date myself, but you know, I've cell phones haven't been around my entire life. But yeah. for the majority of my adult life, they have been around. So most of my sort of travel, they have been there. Um, I I have never, and I travel a ton. I travel for work a ton. I travel, you know, personally a ton. I've seen rude people, right? But nothing to the degree about what you're seeing now, where people are physically getting into altercations with um, the airline staff and being like physically removed from flights. Um, I think this is definitely new behavior that is just, you know, taking some of the existing rude behavior that we saw previously. And it's now just sort of all exacerbated because there are so many other factors that people are just really unhappy about. Like I absolutely get it. It is incredibly uncomfortable to have to wear a mask for two, four or five hours, you know, but those are the rules. And, but, you know, people feel like they shouldn't have to do that. And some of these things, people just get really aggravated. And, you know, when you add on the stressors, I think of just everyday life, you know, in a pandemic, whether it's financial or just, you know, working from home or having to homeschool your kids, I think everyone is just literally on edge. Hmm. And maybe that's why we're seeing so much more of this. Cause I mean, even my husband was telling me the other day about, you know, he's like, did you see that video of that passenger literally knocking out that flight attendant on Southwest? And I was like, no, but that is absolutely insane to me. Like, I've never seen anything like that, you know, in all of my travels. And now it feels like it's happening every week. So it just seems like maybe this perfect storm of people, you know, they are finally getting a taste of freedom. They want their full freedom back. They don't want any Mm -hmm. limitations. They're taking that first big trip maybe you know they're spending they want to get the most out of it so you know i I can just i'm trying to chalk it up to just the stressors of covid and people just wanting to let loose i don't know 
we're also frequent travelers. You know, we've been doing this a long time and taking millions of flights, but um, they had a funny word for them down in um, Puerto Rico. For, yeah, for oh, I can't wait to hear this. The type of travelers they've been getting in the past year or so, and um, yeah, they call them spirit travelers, <laughs> spirit flyers or something yeah. from Spirit yeah. Airlines, which... Yeah, you know, and there's no way to really put this without sounding kind of elitist. But when it's priced so low, and it's a quick flight from you know, you're getting a lot of people who haven't really flown a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, that's possible. And people look back on these fond days of when flying was actually a pretty exclusive thing to do. People wore suits on the plane, and it was like yeah, a big deal to fly. Up. I only flew like twice as a kid before in my entire life and before I was 21. And I think so it was like a big deal. Yeah. Why not everybody could do it, but now that it's gotten a lot more and more affordable, I mean, some of these flights are almost a step above like a city bus in the air. And you're going to get a lot of people who maybe uh, aren't really known to fly that much and not really into the whole travel thing. And, um, yeah, they're, you know, I think you get what you pay for, really. I you think. definitely get what you pay for. You know, I think in terms of the, you know, the the caliber of people, the type of people who are traveling now, you know, I think, you know, travel, we definitely saw periods of time where travel was absolutely dirt cheap. And so what may have been an absolutely unattainable trip for a certain demographic before is now all of a sudden really attainable. Um, and I absolutely love that for those people in that demographic, but that still doesn't give them any any no. right or any reason to treat anyone disrespectfully. You know, we are all human beings. We all deserve the same type of respect, especially the people working on these flights. Yeah, who, they're risking you know, their life. Yeah. They were risking their life, you know, especially for people. If you were traveling before, you know, December even, you know, people were still not fully vaccinated. And so you were taking a huge risk and they were taking a huge risk. So, you know, I think um, I love that. I love, I think that's one of the silver linings maybe of COVID that travel became really attainable for a lot of people that per perhaps couldn't afford it before. Um, but that's absolutely no excuse to to act like, yeah. you know. I mean, you see the same behavior at, at, at stores and, and restaurants too. A hundred percent. You see people, you know, getting kicked out. I'm like, you're at... You're at a coffee shop. Just put on a mask, get in, get your yeah. coffee and get out. No but when deal. I see someone acting like a jackass over at the at the Walmart, I can get out and leave before it gets to in a plane. You're stuck. One yeah. one person. I had a friend that happened to. He was flying back uh, east from L.A. and uh, he was going to Pennsylvania. And some guy just wouldn't put on his mask. One flight. Yeah. One guy drunk. Yeah. And so they had to pull over in pull over like that yeah. to yeah, yeah. make a stop in <laughs> yeah. uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, which and added that ruins like, it for everybody. Oh, added a, a few hours to his trip. He missed his connection. A lot of other people did, and they yeah. had to kick this guy off. Yeah, you know, like one guy can ruin it for everyone. Literally, so, yeah. 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 So I know. It's tough. What about Expedia? And you went into a field that's a pretty crowded field. There's a lot yeah. of search engines and a lot of things out there that you're competing with. How has Expedia changed even in the four years you've been there? And what has been the biggest challenge for Expedia to stay relevant? Yeah, totally. You know, when I first joined, we were an incredibly price-driven organization. 
um, because a lot of the people who were using Expedia were coming to us because they were basically just looking for, you know, they wanted the cheapest fare and the cheapest prices and, and things like that. And you know, we we quickly realized that that's an incredibly tough game to be in. Um, and you inevitably end up losing a little bit when you try to play in the price game. And that means you end up getting a lot of inventory that's made, you know, price and quality sometimes do absolutely go hand in hand. Um, and so, you know, you end up, travelers end up getting, you know, flights or hotels or things like that, that may not actually end up delivering on the greatest experience for them because they were, you know, really just chasing something that was when that was within their budget. And so, especially over the course of the last two years and, you know, the pandemic gave us a chance to really sort of look back and, and reflect on who we are as a business, what we can realistically deliver and where we actually win. And we realized that we actually win when we can help somebody get the most out of their trip and the absolute best experience. And the travelers that are seeking that aren't necessarily seeking the cheapest price. They're seeking just absolute convenience, whether from booking to planning to when they're in flight or when they're in trip and, yeah. and those types of things. So now we're just trying to be really focused on catering to those customers, which is why we're really working hard to push the fact that you can literally book everything you need for your trip on our site. So previously people might go and book an airline, one place, a hotel in another place, tickets to the zoo, maybe in another place, a car rental there. And then you're sitting there like, you know, before the times of smartphones, you're like shuffling through all your papers because you've got all these printed itineraries or you're toggling through your emails obviously when you book through Expedia and you do the, those types of things, it makes it a whole lot easier. It's going to merge it all together into one itinerary. Um, and then of course, you know, we realize that people aren't working off of like, you know, infinite budgets. You, we still, people still have travel budgets in mind. So you can still do that price comparison. You can still sort by price and you can still get savings by bundling things together. So we feel like by over-indexing and really staying focused on delivering the best trip experience overall, that we can end up helping travelers sort of win in the long run. They get a good trip out of it. And then hopefully they they come back and they book with us again. So that's really been the evolution that I've seen, you know, for, for the business. I think the other biggest pivot that we've had has been adding vacation rentals. Um, to our site, because obviously, you know, Airbnb really came in and just created this new category, which is absolutely amazing. It has absolutely revolutionized, I think, travel. Um, and, you know, we we recognize that and that's a need. That's a new type of traveler. And so we have, you know, Verbo is a sister brand within the Expedia group family of brands. And so all of the inventory that you can book instantly on Verbo, you can now also book on Expedia. So for travelers who are booking the flight, the lodging and the car, and they want to do it all in one place, they now have even more options. So um, I think those have been sort of probably two of our biggest pivots and, and things that I, uh, I think have been really helpful to travelers. What's the breakdown of Expedia's business in terms of like, what percentage uh, is your business booking hotels? How much is rental cars? How much is flights? Like, can you break it down like that? Is oh, one gosh. bigger than the other? You know what? I, I would uh, assume flights would be the biggest. Maybe I'm wrong. But. Yeah, I, I don't know what the exact split is, but I do know that flights and lodging are definitely the two primary drivers for a business, for sure. Well, we're in the middle of uh, Carmageddon, as yeah, we call it, because, know. you know, in Puerto Rico, we had to rent a car 
And first of all, we couldn't even get one. Yeah. And the only one we found was $150 a day for a little Kia. Yeah. So um, this has been changing. I've been warning people about this, that this was coming for a while. Um, Just there's no inventory. Yeah, and that's and true you, all throughout the country. And I'm going to go to Hawaii later. And it's the same. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's Hawaii terrible. is probably the worst, experiencing yeah. it the worst. You're right. I mean, this has been bubbling up for some time now. Last summer, so a year ago, we did an episode on our podcast about road trips. And we covered, we had somebody from our rental car business come on the show because I wanted him to really unpack for us actually what was going on with the rental cars because it was just sort of percolating as this huge issue that no one was really paying attention to and nobody was really thinking that it was a big deal yet because travel wasn't wasn't fully back. But this idea of, you know, what was happening was is that so many people were taking cars, driving them to another destination and leaving them there instead of getting them back. So major cities like LA, for example, was losing a ton of cars. A lot of these car rental companies were also selling a lot of their cars um, to sort of make up for the the loss in business and that kind of stuff. So um, it was creating this really interesting dynamic. But what we found was that if you got a rental car to take it back to the original destination, you could get a rental car for literally like $5 a day. (laughs) this was last year this was last year yeah so there were a ton of people who i think were looking to get rental cars they were you know flying into california grabbing a rental car and wanting to do the drive down the pacific coast highway yeah so right on the water so you know essentially they were going southbound and then once they got to their southbound destination they were leaving their car but they like flew into you know let's say san francisco Francisco, or, or something like that Um, And so all of the cars were in Southern California. So if you went and tried to get a rental car from Southern California to drive it back up north, you were going to get a really, really amazing deal. (laughs) Um, So we were trying to like help people figure out like, listen, if you're planning on doing multiple stops in California or even even Las Vegas, um, there were a ton of rental cars sitting in Las Vegas that at the time needed to get back to California also. Oh. Um, so those were like five dollars. So we're like, if you're planning on doing a multiple trip, think about doing it in reverse. Right? Go the opposite way that everybody else is going to be going. And and so people were getting some really amazing deals, but it just created a really bizarre dynamic. That's is that still happening or was that a last year thing? Because I haven't um, been able to find any deals. Yeah, you know, I haven't looked at that specific, um, you know, dynamic recently, but, you know, I I think in general, um, whatever the most popular car route is to take, do the opposite will inevitably get you um, a a discounted price. How long do you think this whole car problem is going to last? I've heard maybe till the end of the year. I definitely think it's going to be to the end of the year for sure, because it's part inventory, part location. You know, a lot of these companies may need to buy, they need to increase their fleet. I think in general, the travel industry was not prepared for the influx of travel so soon. I mean, the second people started getting vaccinated, they started booking. Um, And it just hit so fast and so quickly that, you know, they're just weren't prepared. I think you've seen, you probably see it in the news. American Airlines is having a hard time getting, getting a lot of their planes and their staff back as they furloughed a bunch of people. Um, Even some hotels, you know, are, are having to get their staff back and there's a labor shortage. So, um, you know, it's been a, it's 
it's a yeah. great thing for the industry, but it's still tough. They've got to have some time to ramp back up. My uh, flight from Miami to Puerto Rico was canceled, and they didn't really say oh. why. Yeah, it was an American Airlines flight, there and uh, then I heard later about all this stuff about like a shortage of pilots. Yeah, and a shortage of uh, for certain classes of plane that yeah. they weren't rated to fly. So, yeah, and staff and stuff like that. So. We thought maybe it was a mechanical thing because, you know, it's not often. They just, it was literally the night before. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been a real struggle for them. I, I think it's been a real struggle for everybody in the industry who's, you know, they want to capitalize on the demand that's coming, but they've got to actually get their houses in order. And if you're not, if you're not ready for guests and they're pop, jumping up on you the day before, it's it's tough. Where are the, the hot spots that Expedia is seeing now? So beaches are an incredibly popular, uh, you know, trip type that we're seeing right now, probably because our sort of hypothesis on this one is that when people think of that sort of quintessential vacation, a lot of times it's that, you know, those types of like sort of beach resorts. So Cancun, Acapulco, like Tulum, Mexico destinations, Cabo have been incredibly popular all summer long. I think other places, even, you know, Florida is still super popular as well. That sort of, um, that sort of Gulf Shores sort of coast, I think earlier in the summer before we were getting closer into hurricane season, those have been really popular. Again, the outdoors is still really popular. I think for people who are willing to travel, but still want to be a little bit more conscientious about COVID, they're thinking, oh, I'll hit up a national park, but maybe I'd be more willing to sort of fly to one versus drive to one. So huge spikes in sort of the outdoors and national parks and those types of things. I would say for anybody who's looking to get a nice sort of late summer trip in, I would highly recommend they explore a big city because they still, you know, they've just started to reopen back up fully and they're not getting the demand that some of these other beach destinations are getting. So you can still get some really good prices. I mean, I'm, I'm planning a trip to New York from Seattle. That's a, you know, five and a half, six hour flight. Like it's a big flight. And I saw, um, round trip flight on Delta with two nights at the public hotel, which is an Ian Traeger hotel. Absolutely gorgeous. 600 bucks. No, the flights, uh, I haven't seen any big increase that I mean, anywhere that I've looked up. I mean, yeah. it, it seems pretty normal right now in terms of like prices and even some good prices like our our flights to like multiple flights when i got to florida you know florida yeah. back to the round trip to san juan back to miami and back and all the way back to la it all came out less than what we paid for three days in a rental car yeah you know that yeah. i mean so i used to book you know, my whole life, I'd book the flight and then the rental car was an afterthought. Totally. Now you got to look up the rental car first before you even bother booking the flight because that's going to affect, it could double your the price of your whole vacation. Oh my God, for sure. I historically have just been a last minute booker Yeah. for a variety of reasons, but like mainly just, you know, part laziness, part, I never feel like I can under you know, get a handle on my schedule, but just and it was just me or like me and my husband for, for so long that it was like, whatever, no big deal. Um, but now I have a baby and, you know, I, I've had to sort of change my perspective a little bit on everything. And like, literally I booked in June, which now that I say that out loud, it's maybe not that far in advance, but like June, <laughs> July, you know, a trip in August, that's like two months. That's a long time. That's very far in advance for me. 
But yeah, I booked me too. everything far in advance because COVID still, we're still at the tail end of it. Things are still slightly unpredictable. I wanted to make sure I had my pick of the litter. I didn't want to leave anything up to chance. So I booked my rental car. I booked my hotel. I even got us tickets to, you know, we were going to San Diego, the San Diego Zoo, because I wanted, didn't want to get there and have a scenario where there's still limited capacity or something along those lines. You know, my husband got like, is it the Padres? Yep. Uh, Yeah. Padres tickets. Like (laughs) everything is all planned out, which is so opposite of how we used to behave travel wise. But, you know, we just didn't, you don't want to leave things up to chance in a time when, you know, things are getting sold out and that kind of stuff. I hate to break it to you, but your days of spontaneity are kind of done now. I know. (laughs) It thinks your life really changes when you have a baby. I mean, I, and I definitely knew that obviously. Um, But I didn't, I didn't realize it didn't like process and like really hit me as hard until, um, you know, I was just talking to a coworker. So I, I have the luxury of traveling for work alive. I've, you know, I've had the chance to go to, um, you know, Tokyo and, and Singapore, you know, for work and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I get to go to London pretty regularly. Um, and before I had my baby, I always extended that trip. Always. Oh yeah. Like, cause I would always go for, you know, at least five days. And then I was like, well, I'm going to tack on a weekend and I'm going to take the train to, you know, to France, you know, for the weekend, or I'm going to do a pit stop in, you know, in Taiwan and at least go in and see the city or, or something along those lines. Um, but now I feel like every time I do that, if I'm leaving my husband home with the baby, he's like, wait, one extra day, two <laughs> extra days, a weekend when she's not in daycare. So it's like, it really changes your perspective on things. And I, um, I'm glad I got all those trips in when I could, um, doesn't mean that I'm not going to do more of those trips because I I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out, uh, because I want to take my, you know, I want to take my daughter to a lot of these places. It just means that things are going to have to be a little bit more planned out and a little bit more thoughtful. What was that heat wave up there? Like, did you get like to a hundred degrees in Seattle, which is insane for there? I mean, Mike, First of all, Seattle is so extra. They have absolutely no capability of handling any sort of extreme weather, <laughs> period. Right? I know. So, we, growing up where we grew up, it's kind of like it prepares you for any weather, really. We were like growing up in the Midwest, especially Ch- the Chicago, Indiana area. Mm. You literally, the pendulum swing on extreme weather <laughs> is know. actually unbelievable. You're in like negative 20 with a windshield, like four feet of snow. <laughs> And then a week later, it's 70 degrees. Yeah. And, and you're just like be you, hot and humid. And exactly. And, yeah. Hot. It's like 80% humidity, 110 mm-hmm. degrees in downtown Chicago. No big deal. You live through it. You have some beers. You're totally fine. Yeah. Seattle, three inches of snow. The whole place is shut down, right? Yeah. Like literally everything is That's shut the down. Same here. The heat, everything shut down. Most of the homes in Seattle do not have AC. Yeah. That's brutal. My home included. Um, so we actually went and checked into a hotel. Um, I tapped into my Expedia discount. There you go. Um, and I was like, no, I was like, we got to get out of here. Like the baby's (laughs) not sleeping. Like I'm not going to have a crying baby all night. Like that's just not going to happen. So we went and we checked into a hotel downtown. Um, but none of the restaurants were open because they were all shutting down because of the heat. And I'm like, you're a restaurant. You don't even have AC, but 
you know, it was a lot. It was, it was major. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I heard about that. And when I read that, like there in Vancouver and places like that were over a hundred degrees, I go, yeah. oh, I've been up there many times and they're not, that's they're not, not ready normal. for that. They, that's not yeah. normal. We're not ready for this. No. They're not good with that. Yeah. Um, so I've heard this and I've had a deal in, in the past, whenever there's a cancellation or a change, say you have to cancel, let's pick a hotel. Yeah. And you book it through a third party, like Expedia or any of the others. There's always seems to be with the hotel when you try to get your money back an extra step of hassle. (laughs) (laughs) They went, oh, you booked that through Expedia? Yeah, you got to deal with them or something like that. Is there a trick or something we can all use or any advice you can give us to avoid that? Because, you know, if I want to use you, you know, I don't want to make it more difficult than dealing with the hotel themselves. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, it's not a trick. Um, it's a uh, it's a reminder to pay attention to what you are booking. People uh, who this happens quite regularly. And it's actually been something that when we see that feedback, we take it back to our product teams and we share it with them. And we've actually done a lot of work to improve this area. But um you know, three years ago, it would have been really hard to realize that you were booking, let's say a basic economy flight, no changes, no carry on bag, absolutely nothing. Right. So people were showing up, not realizing that they had booked basic economy. Yeah. Um, and with $50, $100 bag charges. Super, super frustrating. Same with hotels, things like doesn't include breakfast, doesn't include parking or non-refundable or, you know, no cancellations after a certain time. Um, And, you know, we always, you know, obviously we always display all the restrictions and things like that, but it used to be this tiny little drop down, little carrot thing that you'd have to click on and read the full thing. So people were not recognizing what they were booking. Nowadays, we make it really, really easy for you. Um, so, you know, the cheapest price you see might be the basic economy price, but then it'll give you the options to sort of slide to get to the fair class type that is going to suit your needs. Um, and But a lot of people, I think, don't, you know, they don't think to sort of go through that. They're not thinking to watch out for those types of things. Um, so they're still making bookings that aren't necessarily um, exactly what what they want and what they're looking for. So that is really my biggest, you know, thing for everybody is to absolutely make sure you know exactly what you're getting. Take the extra two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is to read through. And if if you want parking included in your hotel and you do not see it there, it's not included. <laughs> Like that, I can promise you. Never don't assume. Ma- Never don't, assume. Don't assume, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we had somebody We had somebody the other day who, you know, made this big TikTok video because they were so upset because they had, um, they had, they had booked a flight on Expedia and they thought they had booked with JetBlue. Um, and then when they got to the airport, it was with Spirit and Spirit was giving them a hard time boarding. Um because what had actually happened was is that they had booked what we call is a split ticket, right? So that's a great way to get discounted fares is you book one airline on the way in and another airline on the way out and we package it up together. You're none the wiser. You think it's one, one ticket, but it's actually two separate airlines. Um, and so, you know, this person just thought they were booking JetBlue, which was the flight on their way out. But so on the way there, it was, it was Spirit, but also Spirit requires you to check in 24 hours in advance online. So there, you know, it, there was all this commotion and confusion, which, you know, and I absolutely feel for, for this guy. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing worse than like not 
than showing up and it's something different than what you expected. But, you know, it's the same concept. You've got to really pay attention to what you're booking. We have so many options on Expedia, which is what makes us so great, right? You can come and you don't have to go to a zillions of different websites to find what you're looking for because we have so much inventory, but also means you got to really pay attention and make sure that you're booking exactly what you need. So if you know, if you want to book three months in advance, and not everything, your dates may be a little bit wishy-washy or you're the type of person that likes to make changes, check the cancellation policy on your hotel. Make sure you have that built-in flexibility. Another silver lining that we're seeing because of COVID is that airlines and hoteliers have now just made that built-in flexibility a standard part of what they sell. So before you used to pay like, you know, hundreds of dollars in change fees. Now they're not making you pay a change fee. You just pay the fair difference. Well, with hotels, and I always wonder, you've mentioned reviews, like a TikTok review. Yeah. Now, everybody's a critic now. Everybody's got to put in their two cents. And I'll read reviews when I'm booking a hotel, but to a point, you know, I don't really care about breakfast that much. Yeah. And like 75% of reviews, I didn't care for their breakfast. It was like, I don't care. Did it have bugs? Was it loud? Yeah. Did it smell? Was yeah. it clean? <laughs> you know, that was, is it safe? That kind totally, of thing. Yeah. The ones I want to know. Yeah. So I'll I'll weed out, but what? How much weight do you give these reviews that people leave? And if if say a certain hotel gets a ton of bad reviews, do you take it off your list? And how do you decide what hotels get on your site and what don't? Yeah. So we we don't really put much of our own perspective on what hotels we carry. Um, Mainly because at the end of the day, you know, the travelers have their own personal preferences and choices and what matters to them. And so we obviously don't want to put that added layer on them for them at the risk that they might not find what it is that they're looking for. Um, You know, the reviews that are available, you know, whether you're looking at us or TripAdvisor or another place for the reviews, those are genuine reviews, right? We don't take down bad reviews. We don't Um, we don't alter the reviews that go up or anything like those, but you have to remember that that is a review from a really specific individual who has really specific needs and (laughs) what they want and what they expect, um, could be quite different than you. So, you know, like my parents are in their sixties and early seventies, and it's really, really particular for them on the type of place that they stay in. Right. They want to have they want to have all the luxuries and the amenities of of a standard hotel. So I wouldn't send them to the public hotel in New York because, you know, it's it's a much more cost effective place. It's very hip. It's very urban. Got that boutique vibe, very minimalist, (laughs) um, which, you know, my 75 year old dad would probably like hate that bed. Right. Especially when he sees the size of the room. Exactly. It opens the door and it hits the bed. I've stayed in those in New York. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing with those New York. There are New York hotels that have literally twin size beds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it could be a fantastic hotel for me, but an absolutely horrific hotel for parents. parents. So you just have to remember that when you read the reviews and and take it with a grain of salt. Right. So when I go in and I'm trying to find a place, I read like at least 15 to 20 different reviews. I never look at one review and just call it a day. Yeah. I look at the star rating of the property. You know, I look at the total number of reviews and I look at the average star rating and then I'll go in and I'll read a couple of them because, you know, everybody's different. 
Right. If, but if one, if, if there's like one thing, if say like 65, 70% of them all seem to say, mention the same thing. Yeah. If it's traffic noise is really bad. I was like, totally. I bet the traffic noise probably pretty bad, but you yeah. know, I can weed out the, you know, I'm just wondering, it's just like, it's so hard for people who own restaurants and businesses and stuff. And, you know, they're getting threatened with bad Yelp reviews and just you know, a lot of people want free stuff. Yeah. Too, a know? lot of people want free stuff, but also, you know, cancel culture is a really big thing right now um you know this is the beauty of consumerism in america is that you can make choices and you have lots of choices and you can you you have an influence to a certain degree over over somebody else um but it's up to the individual who's reading the reviews to determine whether it's something that they want to take as gospel if you will i've been amazed at how many people since i've been doing you know like in travel, quote unquote, media and things that I'm surprised at how many people still use travel agents. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I've worked in cruises a lot. Of course, a lot of them are older and they'll, they'll still, there's that generation that always use yeah. travel agents. But you didn't think, I'm surprised that it wasn't all old people. There's still uh, a lot of corporate, a lot of businesses still use them just for the hassle, you know, just for the, yeah. use of just letting them handle it. But do you have a demographic of Expedia? Um, like what your age range is and who uses it? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, it, it really, it really runs the gamut. I would say our sweet spot's probably like 25 to 45, but um, we have quite a few, you know, baby boomers who, who use our site and even, you know, Gen Z, you know, who are start, <laughs> starting to travel, they're getting their first credit card and yeah. um, you know, they're, they're coming to use our site as well. And so we, we try to not, um, we want to make sure it's accessible for everybody and um, that our inventory is is accessible for everybody, for all destinations and all budgets and, and those types of things. You know, I think the the travel agent piece, I think, is really interesting because I, I do think it's really circumstantial on the situation and the trip, to be fair, because I think if, um, you know, if you have the there are a lot of people out there who just enjoy spending hours and hours and hours on websites planning their trips. Myself yeah, included. I'm one, right? of, I'm one of those guys. I love doing that. I love reading all the reviews. I love just, you know, looking at bloggers and things like that to see where they've gone, where are they eating, where should I stay, like that kind of stuff. But and that's, that's hell for some people. That's hell for some people. And I absolutely <laughs> understand that. And, you know, and maybe my my parents, you know, I use them as an example. They're boomers, right? Um, if they're just going to one city, if they're just going to London, let's say they'll, they'll go and they'll book it on Expedia. But the second you enter in something like China or, you know, Japan or something like that, where it involves multiple cities, multiple destinations, multiple hotels in a a foreign country, in a language barrier. Yeah. Yeah. I hear in China, it's good to have a, it's good to have a guide in China. I haven't been to mainland China. It's on my list. I've been to Hong Kong and Taiwan, but I haven't been to mainland China. I have been to mainland China and, um, this was before, this was before like smartphones worked everywhere and there was like yeah. Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, and it was, uh, it was an adventure. <laughs> That's a nice like, way that, that is like all I have to say besides <laughs> it is an adventure. Um, and I remember my hotel gave me this tiny, tiny little business card that had the address of the hotel in Chinese because they were like, keep this with you if you ever get lost because your cab driver will not speak English. And so you're just like not communicating with this cab driver yeah. and just showing him a card. There's no Uber yet, by the way. 
and you're just hoping for the best. Yeah. I remember giving this guy this card and I was like, I, I could die. Like I, I was by myself. Like I was like, I don't know where we're going, but I'm just going to hope he's taking me back to the hotel. <laughs> oh, well, give me your, uh, top three favorite countries to visit and why? Okay. Um, Japan was probably one of my like favorite experiences overall. Uh, just the the culture in that city, the mix of like ancient heritage and just modern times is just so smashed together. It's unbelievable. Um, and it's such a far change from like Western culture, right? And so I just love the immersion of it. I felt so inspired being there. It reinvigorated my absolute love for travel and reminded me why, why I do it so often. Um, France is so near and dear to my heart. I have always absolutely adored that country. You know, I studied French in high school. Um, obviously Paris is an absolute magical place. I just, I just absolutely love it. I adore it there. I've never spent a minute in that country that I, you know, I didn't love. Um, and that third place I would say is, um, you know, I want to say it feels like a bit like a cliche, but I want to say it's Hawaii, um, because (laughs) it's just beautiful. I see. I thought you were going to go like somewhere in the Middle East that, you know, where from your family's from or. I mean, okay. Well now you've made me feel really guilty, Mike, (laughs) because the Middle East is absolutely a beautiful place. Um, but give it it some love for us because I don't really know. Yeah. Like where would I go? I still haven't been in Dubai and you lived there for four years. I did. I did. From what I hear though, I don't know. I've been in the, through the airport and, um, and from what I've heard, it's kind of like Vegas in the fact that everything's overblown and big and shiny and brand new and there's malls everywhere. Yes. And all uh, true. Yeah, All true, but I think the desert. But I think what people um it is absolutely a certain type of place. And this is where I think you have to have the right expectations going in. So obviously when I'm when I was moving there, I knew exactly what I was getting into. Um, because you know, they they the the job I was being tasked with was helping to refresh the image of Dubai. So it wasn't just a place of superlatives, the biggest, the largest, the whatever. Um and so when I got there, I was obviously immediately struck by just the modern modernness of it. Um, but you have to remember that country is only 30 years old. Um, so it is a relatively new country. So yes, everything is relatively new. There aren't like, you know, old ancient cities, cobblestone roads to walk on because it was sand. It was a desert. Like the, the city yeah. <laughs> literally came up in the, you know, 80s basically late 70s 80s and so there's nothing that old because the city is just not that old um and so i think people have to sort of remember that um and so a big part of who they are as a culture is this you know these these like sort of bedouin tribes that you know struck oil and um just really embrace the western western culture and, and and the western world and and things like that so it is quite modern and but I absolutely love, for me, as being someone who's originally from the Middle East, I loved, it almost was like the best of both worlds to me. It was like that Middle Eastern culture that I know and love mixed with the um, that sort of Western energy and that sort of modern mentality that I think just made it all super, super fun. 
<laughs> but I will say this, obviously, you know, if you want quintessential like Arab traditional experience that like really immersive culture, I highly recommend people go to Jordan, which you've been to. Um, Petra is just absolutely really cool. unbelievable. Um, you can go and have sort of desert excursions and things like that. Um, you know, Amman as a city is absolutely beautiful. It has a nice mix, amazing, amazing food. Um, obviously, you know, Syria is not a place that I would recommend going today, given everything that's going on. Um, but, you know, Syria used to be a beautiful place with, you know, absolutely historic, you know, landmarks and, and sites and, and things like that. Um, the coastline and the beaches are actually absolutely beautiful right on the Mediterranean. So um, you get like the weather is absolutely perfect. So I, you know, I highly recommend. So for, for those looking to plan a trip to the Middle East, I think Jordan is a very attainable place. Um, it's, you know, it's quite safe. You can feel absolutely secure. You don't need to, I think most people have these assumptions that the Arab world is absolutely restrictive. Women cannot drive. They have to cover their hair, you know, all of these things, but it's, that's not the case all right. over. Some countries are. That's more Saudi Arabia. Have, yeah, it's right? more Saudi and, Arabia. And you know, people, are like, people are like, oh, could you drive in Dubai? Did you have to wear a black eye? And I was like, yes, I drove. No, I didn't have to wear that. Like, <laughs> um, but you know what? It, people, you got to ask the right questions and, and those types of things. But I would highly recommend, um, you know, Jordan is a, is a great place. I, I also love Lebanon. Um, obviously Lebanon, Beirut, unfortunately had that big explosion. Um, I think that was last summer. Yeah. So, um, or maybe it was a year and a half ago. So obviously the da downtown Beirut's not what it used to be, but, um, Lebanon in general is an absolutely amazing place. You have like mountains and beaches and just, you know, foliage. It's, it's, um, it's great. The Middle East is an absolutely beautiful area. So Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, who has the best hummus? Okay. Well, uh, Hummus is the Arabic uh -huh, word. Now we're going to get it. Here we go. Chickpea. So by the nature <laughs> of the word, it is not an Israeli dish. I know. I love how everybody's got an opinion on this subject. That's not an opinion, Mike. That's an absolute fact. <laughs> Here we go. Like literally, hummus is the Arabic word for chickpea. So hey, doesn't mean doesn't mean you can't make it well. Doesn't mean you can't make it well. That is very, very true. So if you want it really authentically, um, uh -huh. you know, I, I would say the, the Levant area. So Syria, Lebanon, and Jordan, the flavors are so, so similar. There's like small <laughs> nuances between, I don't know if I could say like one's better than okay. one's better than the other, because it probably also depends on where you go to have it. Where, what food when you travel, can you not say no to? Okay. Well, my favorite food of all time is French fries. Oh, well, so you can get a fried potato anywhere in the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, you're easy to please there. I, uh, I am really easy to please. I don't really say no to anything. Like, I try absolutely. I will try absolutely everything. Okay, good. What I can't, I was uh, one of the, like, most two adventurous eating scenarios that I've had. I've both been in Asia. One was in China where Insects? you... Um, you, I basically had no idea what I was eating. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you go to the markets and there's like starfish on a stick that they just like sizzle on a griddle or like insects or something like that. But in general, I was just like literally pointing at pictures and like really just hoping for the best on that one. <laughs> um, and then when I was in Japan, this is a funny story, actually. So we uh, we wanted to have a really nice sushi sushi dinner. And I was there with a couple of coworkers. 
Um, so we went to the concierge at our hotel and we said, Hey, can you help us find a great sushi place? Um, and he was like, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll make you a reservation. So we're like, Oh, amazing. Great. There were, you know, there were four of us. Um, so he makes us a reservation, writes the name of this place on a card. We give it to the Uber driver and we show up and it looks like we are walking into somebody's home, right? Like it is very, very small. Um, you know, we like go downstairs and we walk in and there's like literally a sushi bar and two private rooms. Like that was it. Um, and so we're like, oh, okay, well, this looks lovely. The only option is omakase style, which is basically chef's choice. Um, we still had no idea. He was, they basically like, oh yeah, chef's choice. That's it. You just sit down and whatever. Here we are like 15 courses later, we're eating absolutely everything. And I cannot remember, remember the name of the blowfish, which is actually poison if it's not prepared correctly. Um, and so, you know, I eat it because it's, I felt like it would have been incredibly offensive. I mean, (laughs) this place has space for 15 people. Um, so I eat it and it's all fine. And, um, you know, out of this private room come these, these people and, the workers are just like so stunned. They're like so excited. They're taking pictures with them. We have no idea who they are. They come to us because we're American and they want to start taking pictures with us. <laughs> um, and like, we think, oh, this is fun. Like, you know, whatever. So they walk out and like the one worker at that restaurant who spoke English, we're like, who were those people? One of them was the star pitcher for the Tokyo Giants. Ah, okay. And the other one was the recent winner of Tokyo Idol. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Fancy place. Fancy place. And then we get the bill and we have to, uh, we, we have to translate it into dollars. Um, We had just spent about two hours eating at what had to have been probably the most expensive Japanese restaurant, sushi restaurant in Tokyo. The bill came, it was about $2,000 for four of us. Oh, right. And then we like literally are all sitting there. We're like, okay, well, are we going to expense this? Cause we were there for work. And then we're like, well, who's going to expense it? Who's the most senior person here? Like, how are we going to do this? So we all, we all just put in our credit card and like split it up. But we walked out. We're like, boy, we really, did nobody ask? Did anybody look (laughs) this up? To this day, I still don't even know what the name of that place was. (laughs) Crazy. Did did uh, Did they say anything at work when you got back? I was like, hey, what is this? Five hundred dollar. No, because I hopefully none of, of my coworkers end up. None of my boss actually. My, hopefully none of my bosses listen to this. So <laughs> I went and I expensed it, and I added like like fifteen people's names on the expense sheet, so that it look ended up being like oh thirty dollars a person, no big deal. <laughs> so each one of us submitted our own expense report with like five people on it or whatever. It was hysterical. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, now. Well, now you can get your. I don't want to make you too claustrophobic in there. I know you got to work and everything. Yeah, uh, let's no uh, get your plugs in again. And where can people find the podcast? Is it everywhere on all the platforms? Yep, you can look for Out Travel the System wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast. New episodes come out on Mondays, so like and subscribe so you don't miss a beat. What about following on Instagram or any of the social media? Yeah, you can follow me. I'm at Niz, N-I-Z 21 on Instagram. I'm also at Niz Loves Travel on Twitter. Um, and then you can also reach out to uh, me through our at Expedia handles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Super. Uh, stay on the line after I uh, stop this recording so we can uh, get the particulars in. But I always like to end on the same question that I ask everybody. What do you think all this 
travel and all the places you've been and the experiences you've had, how has it changed you as a person and how you look at yourself and the world? Yeah. I am much, much more appreciative of the world that is around us and the value that travel can bring in my life. Because I think, I think back on every trip I've taken um, and I feel like I am a better person because of every trip. And that's not saying that every trip I've taken has been the quality and the caliber of a trip to Tokyo or has an an event like meeting the, you know, the star pitcher from the Tokyo giants, but (laughs) the small things that happen, whether it's, sort of getting lost in that one city and stumbling upon this teeny tiny little coffee shop that maybe at the time seems super insignificant, um, really just creates this sort of like bank of memories that truly are what life is really just all about. And now as a mother, um, I think about the value that I want travel to bring to my daughter and making sure that she has those experiences as well. So I think um, it just makes you a more well-rounded person. You're, you're exposed to different cultures, different types of people, um, it is a absolutely priceless experience that everybody should deserve to get. That's great. Thank you so much. And thanks for doing this. And thank you thank for Thank you, Mike. This out. was fun. Yes. Uh, hopefully we'll meet up again. Yeah, at some absolutely. Point. And uh, I'm free to do your podcast if you ever want me to do it. I don't we know what I talk about. We will absolutely have you on. We'll find something good. We'll find something good. <laughs> I, I have a few stories. Okay, a good. Few. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Nisreen. Thanks, Mike. Take care. 